Hey family, good to be together. You know, it's like the family gathering around the, the, uh, the table and, you know, having a meal together. And of course, we feed on the Word of God. That's what we're here to, to kind of feast on. And, and I think Psalm 23 is what we're looking at here. Psalm 23 is such a feast. It's like, how do you even compare it to anything else? Not that it's better or, you know, higher than anything else, but it's just so, it's so awesome, so powerful, so uh, applicable to our lives. So you have your sheets there, right? You all got your sheet when you came in? Yes. Psalm 23. Anybody uh, memorize the first two verses who want to impress us? Okay, stand up. Just the first two verses. Right. Okay. Yeah, okay. All right. Good job. You know, it's not that hard. Really, it's not that hard. And, and we kind of did those first two verses last week. And we're going to look, uh, we're going to continue on where we left off. Uh, but I, I found some, something interesting. You know, this Psalm 23 has come out of our study in John chapter 10, which is about Jesus, the good shepherd, right? And so uh, I've kind of inserted it into the middle of John, uh, John chapter 10, Psalm 23. But I'm still thinking about what it says there in John chapter 10. If you, if you notice, it says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. And Jesus is saying these words. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it more abundantly. And we talked a little bit about that. We talked a lot about that, this abundant life that Jesus came to give, because we're, we're kind of under this illusion that abundant life means having a lot of stuff. How many of you have a lot of stuff? The truth is, every one of you in this room has a lot of stuff. You know, I, I was reading, uh, Pastor Chuck wrote about this. He said, you know, the, you know, the problem, he says, the problem we have around our house is not enough storage in our house. What does that mean? So Jesus talked about, you know, the guy, well, it's just going to build bigger and bigger barns so we're going to have more places to store all this stuff. And he says, you fool. What if your life is taken from you like right now? So... This idea of what abundant life is, uh, you know, we're going to have it more abundantly. And anybody remember what the, the, the word for life is? Zoe. Zoe. And I didn't tell you what the word for more abundantly was uh, because it's hard to pronounce. But I've, I came across this verse uh, this week, and it, and it was very interesting. Luke chapter 12, Jesus said to them, watch out. Be on your guard. Two, two kind of statements about, you know, looking out. He says, against all kinds of greed, a man's life, a man's zoe, does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And that word for abundance is the form of that very same word in John 10.10. 10. Isn't that interesting? So, so being a... a, a scientific-minded person, you know, I had to do the, I had to find the little symbol. Does not equal. That's what that means, in case you didn't know. Abundant life does not equal abundant possessions. That doesn't mean it's wrong to have abundant possessions, but 
Jesus makes it very clear in this verse. Watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed because, you know, we're in this want. And it, it, it goes directly into our study in Psalm 23, right, where he says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Be careful. Watch out against all kinds of greed. This idea that I, I really need, I must have, I want. Because the Lord is my shepherd. And he's watching over me and he's providing for me. He's protecting me. We're just sheep. And, and because of that, I, I, don't, I don't need to be in this state of want. You know, it's not... Keep in mind, it's not only about stuff, though. It's about just the, the things in this life. I want more position. I want more power. I want more, you know, recognition. I want, you know, we, there's all kinds of things that we can get sucked into. But to find that satisfaction, to find that contentment in what we have, that's where we're going to say, I, I don't want anything more. I have you know, the Lord is taking care of me. I have everything that I could possibly need right now. Now, maybe tomorrow you're going to need something different. Maybe tomorrow you're going to need something more. But you remember with the manna, what happened when they tried to gather a bunch of it up to save up for the next day? What happened? It rotted and it stunk. And that's what happens when we, when we get kind of, you know, trying to jump ahead of what the Lord is doing in our lives. So I shall not want... Uh, verse, the next, the next verse says, uh, you know, he makes me to lie down in green pastures. I just love that, and I hate that. The fact is that, that, that he does it, and, I, and the part I don't like is the make me part. But if you believe that God is the eternal God and the awesome and Yahweh, the one, you know, the sovereign, almighty God, doesn't he have the right to make us do what he wants us to do? The, the truth of the matter is if he's a shepherd and a good shepherd, he's going to only make us do what's good for us. Right? Does that make sense? And he knows when we need rest. He knows what you and I need. He knows what's best for us. And he, and he, he makes us lie down, but he doesn't make us lie down in the dirt. It says he makes us lie down in green pastures where he's going to take care of us, where it's just, you know, he, he's going to do something special there. That's what, that's what I think. The next one, we, we kind of went over it quickly last week, was he leads me beside the still waters. That's beautiful as well, isn't it? This idea that he's actively directing us, that he's leading us, that he, that's what a shepherd does. A shepherd goes ahead of the sheep and leads the sheep. He's not behind them, you know, driving them like cattle, beating them. He's out in front leading them. But the Lord, David said, he leads me. First of all, he said, the Lord is my shepherd. Then he said, you know, he makes me lie down. And now he says, he leads me beside the still waters. There's something about that picture of the still waters. I like that picture. I had to look for a few minutes to find that one. Just the sheep. Can you picture yourself as the sheep there? Just kind of chilling out in, in that peaceful setting. There's something about, you know, the peace that we need. If we're willing to be led by him, he'll lead us to those places of peace. 
I don't know about you, but, but there's not a lot of peace in this world. There's not a lot of peace in, even in our situations when we think about what's going on. I don't know about you, but, but I can get so stirred up and lose peace. But he's willing to lead us to those places of peace where he wants to give us his peace. How many of you heard that saying, still waters run deep? You know, I've heard it before, but you've you got to have to think about that. Like, what does that mean? It means in those quiet places, you know, there's some real depth there. It means that when we find that place where we're, where we're still, where God says, be still and what? And know that I am God. There's, there's, there's a depth there in our lives. It, it, the truth is, in this life, there's so much going on, and we're so busy, and we got so much, you know, to distract us that we don't have those times, those, those quiet times where we listen for that, that still, small voice of God where, where the depth is there. So we don't have a lot of depth in our lives. Because we don't take the time. And, and he wants to lead us to those places, I believe. That's what he says here in Psalm 23. He leads me beside the still waters where, where we can find that place of peace. That place of stillness where we know that he is God. So that brings us now to where we left off here in, in uh, Psalm 23 in verse uh, 3. So... I want you to read it with me, verses 3 and 4. I don't know if we'll get all the way through verse 4, but we're going to try. Well, let's read verses 3 and 4 together, okay? Will you read with me? Okay. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Wow. I say this about every single verse in this song is wow. But, but if you look at all those verses, but the first part of verse 3, three it says that, that what? He restores my soul. He restores my soul. I believe that we need restoring our soul which is the very deepest part of who we are. When, if you look at the definition of this word soul, it means the self-life, it means the person of who you are, that which is breathing. That's what it is. So he says that he restores, David said, he, the, the Lord, who is my shepherd, he restores my soul. This word restore... You can look it up anywhere. It means to bring back, to return something or someone to a former condition or place or position. It, to bring you back to where you were before. It makes me think of Revelation, you know, where it says, you know, you know, you've left your first love, he said to them there. Sometimes we need to get back to where we were, get, get back to the basis, get back to the, the beginnings of who we are. You know, when you, when you take a building and you restore a building, what do you do? <clears throat> you fix it, right? But you, you try to bring it back to, to what it used to be like. You know, when we came into this building, uh, 
Some of you were here. A lot of you were here. There were some like a bunch of walls where a lot of you are sitting. There was a bunch of walls here. Any of you remember those walls? And it was like weird. It was like you had to walk through this little tunnel to get in here. But, but we looked up underneath the ceiling in those walls and we found out that the chandeliers were still there. And so we just tore all those old walls out of there to bring it back to the way that it was supposed to be. That's kind of like restoration. You know, if you have a car, right? An old car. I'd love to do this if I had the space, the time, and the money. I want, right? Oh, yeah, I don't want. But if I had all that stuff... I would love to like take an old car and just like restore it and just bring it back to its original beauty. And then you could drive around and just show it off and all that. <laughs> but what I really think about a lot is hair restoration. <laughs> Some of you are still trying to get that one. What he's talking about here is, is much deeper than all that, though, isn't it? The soul restoration, the very deepest part of who you are, that he wants to restore you, he wants to do something in your life and bring you back to this place of fellowship, this place of relationship, this place of, of walking with him. Because sometimes we wander, don't we? We kind of get off track. We get to places where we shouldn't be. Matthew Henry said, no creature will lose itself sooner than a sheep. He said, it's so apt, so apt is it to go astray and so unapt to find the way back. That's what we are, sheep. We're, we're apt to wander. And we don't often know the way back. We can't find our way back like a sheep looking for its way back. I found this uh, verse in Psalm 119. It says, I have strayed like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I have not forgotten your commands. He's looking for us. We're prodigal sheep, right? Prodigal sons, that's what we are. We wander off, we get lost, we, we, we can't find our way back. But he is seeking us. Psalm 19, one of the things that, that it says there, you'll see it on the screen, the law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy. Now, those are the same words. Translated reviving, but that's part of what restoring is, to revive it back to the way it was. And God uses his word to do that. He uses the scripture to do it. That's why we make such a big deal about that. You know, that, that, that you want to walk with the Lord, you need to be in the, in the word. You need to, to have this word getting inside of you. You getting into it and it getting into you. And God will do something. God will use it to revive you. If you're in a place where you're going, wow, I'm just, I'm just so far out there and I, and I don't know what to do. And I would say you need, you need to open up the book. Open up the Bible and God will use it to revive your soul, to restore you. I've seen it again and again. I've seen it in my own life over and over and over again. 
I don't know where you are today. Honestly, I don't. I, I, I know many of you. I don't know every one of you. And some of you I know better. I can only know, you know, how many people is it, does it say that we can actually get to know? Seriously get to know? What is it, about five? Right? Some of you don't even know five, but that's enough. <laughs> Some of you can know ten. I mean, really get to know people. But, but the Lord knows each and every one of us intimately. He knows you perfectly. He knows where you are. He knows what your heart's like. He knows how far away you are, how close you are. And He knows right now where you are with Him. And I just happen to have this suspicion that that some of you, he wants to do a work of restoration. He wants to bring you to this place. He wants to restore you. And David knew it. That's why he wrote those words. You know, he restores my soul. David could say he does it. He's done it for me. And isn't it wonderful that David wrote those words down for you and I now to have uh, about 3,000 years later, that's literally when it was, 3,000 years later, David wrote those words for you and I. Things have not changed much. Oh, technology has changed, but people haven't changed much, and we all need to be restored at one time or another. I just want to encourage you to, to let him do that work in your life, and, and he's willing to do it. The next phrase there, uh, as we move on, it says, He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Again, this idea that he wants to lead us. He wants to show us the way. But notice it says, in paths of righteousness. That means he wants to lead us down right paths. He's not just going to lead us in some strange, weird way. He's not going to lead us definitely into something that is illegal or immoral or against his word. He's not going to lead us there. But how often do we find ourselves in places like that? It's not because we're following after him, that's for sure. Right? So how do we get there? Because we're sheep and we wander off and we, we go places and we find ourselves in places that we definitely should not and, and, and need to get rescued from in some cases. But as we're following after him, it says he'll lead us. David said he leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. In other words, for his honor, for his glory, because, you know, we carry his name. We're children of God. We're Christians. We carry his name. But look what it says in Psalm 73. You guide me with your counsel. And afterward, you'll take me into glory. That's what Asaph said in Psalm 73. He's going to guide us. He's going to lead us in paths of righteousness. How about this one? I, I put this in here because... It, it struck me. It says, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. That idea that, you know, sometimes he leads us in ways that we're not familiar with. Sometimes he's going to lead us in a brand new path. 
that we're not familiar with, but he's not going to forsake us. And that's what we see in the next verse as well, as we'll get there in a second. But he's not going to leave us and forsake us. But sometimes the Lord is going to lead us down paths that we are a little bit uncomfortable with. Is that okay? Does he have the right to do that? Can he do that? Are we willing to let him do that? Because that's the question, isn't it? He might be leading you in a, in a whole new direction that you're not you know, sure about. But I believe that when he leads us, he provides. Where God guides, what, is this, what does Chuck, Pastor Chuck always say? Where God guides, God provides, and he'll put it together if he's leading us in a different direction. It's not always the same old path, the same old road, the same old thing. Sometimes we're doing things and we're, we're on this path and, we, and he, he needs to kind of shake it up a little bit, change it up a little bit so that we, we experience something new, something fresh, something alive, something real. Be open to that. That's all I'm saying for, for, for myself as well. Be open to, the, to that. There's sometimes that that's happened. Now, that's not always the case, of course. Lead me, O Lord, he says, in your righteousness because of my enemies. Make straight your way before me. Since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead and guide me. For the sake of your name, lead and guide me. When people look at us and and they say, wow, he, he talks about God. He talks about his faith. They're watching our lives. You know that, right? They're watching you and I to see. So it's important, you know, the kind of witness that we have, the kind of life that we lead. What are are people seeing? Is it reflective of of the God of this Bible, the God of the the universe? Does it have anything to do with, with who he is? It should. He says, he says there, since you are my rock and my fortress, for the sake of your name, lead me and guide me. People are looking. You know, what does it say about, what do people say that for some, we as believers are what? The only what? The only Bible that they will ever read. They're looking at us and saying, what, what kind of, you know, what is it all about? Is there any, you know, is there any love in that person? But in the end, it reflects, it reflects directly upon who? Upon the Lord. I think that should make us think, like, how am I living? Am I bringing glory to his name or not? Verse 4, probably, you know, next to the verse 1, probably the most uh, well-known most quoted, right? Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Wow. In the, in the version you have on your sheet, it says he starts off with yay. And I, when I look at that, I go, like, is he saying yay? Like, yay. I don't think so. The word is like an old word. It means like, look, 
And as it's translated here, even. Because, you know, when we end up in these valleys, how many of you are saying, yay, I'm in another valley, I love it. I can't wait, it's wonderful. But sometimes even when we're following the shepherd, and David is saying it here, sometimes even following the shepherd, we end up in a valley. Is that true? You know, I would love it if my shepherd would just lead me on the nice, very nice plains where everything is wonderful and great, but sometimes he leads me into the valley. The idea means to be hedged in. It means to be surrounded. Matthew Henry, again, he said that it's deep indeed and dark, but the valleys are fruitful. The valleys are fruitful. That, it's true, you know. You, the further you go up on the mountaintop, less grows, right? They're not growing, you know, grapes and fruit up on top of the mountains. But down in the valleys... Things grow incredibly. I, we used to live in the San Joaquin Valley in California, and anything would grow there. And it grew well. Sometimes we have to go in the valleys, and, and the Lord is going to use that to bring fruit out of our lives. But that doesn't make it any easier. David knew that. He says, I'm walking through this valley. Notice he says walk, and, and, and I think... I think I don't know about you, but I'd like to run. I'd like to get through it as quickly as possible. I don't, I don't you know, want to you know, savor this. I want to get it over with. Isn't that, isn't that kind of what we want to do? We're in a, this valley. I just want to get this over with and get back out of here. But David says, I walk. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. See, when you take a... When you take a verse like this and a scripture like this and you meditate on it, and the Bible talks about us meditating upon His Word, and you, you, can, take, and you can take a word, one word, and meditate on it, and, and the fruit and, the, and the, the depth that comes out of His Word as you meditate and you look at each word and you look at what the Bible is really saying, what is David saying here? What is God wanting to say to me? Maybe I'm in the middle of a valley right now and I'm trying to get everything I can do to get out of it. And he's saying, I want you to walk through this valley. Take one step at a time and walk through this valley. Because notice it says through. In other words, we're going to get through. We're going to get to the other side. That The valley isn't the destination. David could see that the valley wasn't the place he was going to stop in. He wasn't going to build his house there, but he needed to be there. And he was going to get through it. Whatever kind of valley it is that you and I might be in, we're going to get through. We're going to get through. And why do I say that? What does it say? He says, for you are with me. He calls it the valley of the shadow of death and, and literally translated it's a death shadow and, and you know, it's this place of darkness. 
this death shadow, this deep shadow. The, the writer Job, you know, Job is, you know, they say that Job is probably the oldest book in the Bible. And what is it about? It's about a guy in a valley, right? And he used this word, the, the word uh, for, for uh, the shadow of death is, is used like uh, 18 times in the Bible, and Job uses them nine out of the 18 times. The depth, the dark, the shadow, the death shadows, the dark place. Why do you think people know all about this, this verse? Because it's something that we face over and over and over again. It's part of this life is death, isn't it? You know? And, and when I talk about death, I'm talking about all kinds of death. You know, physical death, you know, emotional death, death of other people, death that we're facing, the death of, of, of our abilities, that we, you know, we used to do something and we can't do it anymore and we just have to let it die. It's sad sometimes, though, isn't it? You know, death is, is separation. That's what death is. We are separated. But you know what? And I know most of you know this already, that death is defeated. Amen. Death is defeated. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. There's a sense of victory here. There's a sense of overcoming. There's a sense of, of yes, positive. And why? Because, because death is defeated. Now, David was obviously before the, the cross and the resurrection of Jesus, but, but inspired by the Holy Spirit, knowing that even death is something that God is going to uh, have victory over. Spurgeon said this, We go through the dark tunnel of death and we emerge into the light of immortality. We go through this dark valley of death, but, but when we come out, he says it's into immortality. Speaking, of course, of our, our physical death. That's why David says it's just a shadow. It's not the, the reality. It's not the truth. It's not the substance. It's a shadow. You know shadows. There's not a lot of shadows in here. There's a few. But they're not anything real. That's just because of what? How do you get shadows? You have light. Right? Without light, there can be no shadow. So there's something that's bright, there's something that's real that is creating this shadow. And it's the same in the valley of the shadow of death. The light of God is shining. There's a shadow, but, but it's not substance. It's not what we have to look forward to, those of us who believe. Spurgeon said this, and I, I like I like, like this quote. He said, A shadow cannot stop a person's pathway even for a moment. The shadow of a dog cannot bite. And the shadow of death cannot destroy us. Someone else said the worst thing that death can do is really the best thing that can happen to us as believers. Do you believe that? 
See, we're talking about death here, and it's a subject that we don't really like to talk about, we don't like to deal with, but, you know, it happens, uh, you know, to us. You know, I have had close members of my family die. It's, it's not very nice. You know, my, my father passed away uh, most recently. It's been coming up to a year now, but it still hurts. It's still sad. So this subject of death is a difficult subject, but for the believer, for the believer, what does Paul say in Philippians 1, verse 21? He says, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. So, so it, this is only the beginning, the life that we have now, this abundant life that we have now, this is only the beginning. We have, it's going to be better. It's going to be gain. It's going to be real. It's us here that are left behind that we face the sadness, the sorrow, the suffering, the grief. I will never forget, I will never forget Bill Kinneman. When we saw him in the hospital, he was the last few days of his life, and we went to see him. There was something different about seeing him and, 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 and just the way he uh, was carrying himself, the way he was acting, the things that he was saying. But he said those words, for to me to live is Christ, to die is gain. He said those words. Those are the last words I heard him say. And, and when I left, I remember uh, John Scott and I were there, and we left the room, and when we waved goodbye to say goodbye to him, he pointed up. He pointed up. The next day I came and, and he was in uh, unconscious. He was not able to communicate anymore. To live is Christ, to die is gain. That's why it says here, I will fear, David says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. There's nothing to fear in death. We don't need to be afraid of death, though, though we are, because we're human. We're human, right? I mean, I don't really want to die. Sometimes, sometimes I'll be honest with you. Sometimes I go, Lord, just take me home. And then I get like sick and I feel like, oh no, I might be dying or something. I said, Lord, I didn't really mean it. Not yet. I'm not ready. But you know what I'm saying, right? So we don't really need to fear death. What we need to fear is the Lord. Look what it says, Proverbs 14. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a man from the snares of death. When we're in a right relationship with God, we don't need to fear. We don't need to fear death because life is on the other side of this life. You've heard this passage as well or you've read it in Hebrews, since the children have flesh and blood, he too, that is Jesus, shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their what? Fear of death. Jesus came to set us free from the fear of death. We don't need to be afraid of death. Paul said it here in 1 Corinthians 15, Where, O death, is your victory? 
Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin. The power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need to fear death. We don't need to be afraid of death because he is with us. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. I think I'm going to stop there. And we're going to pray because I, I really want to spend more time on this idea that the Lord is with us. I like that new song that uh, Chris is uh, teaching us, and another in the fire that the Lord is with us. And I really want to, to, to you, uh, spend a little more time looking at that and, and meditating on that. But maybe today... Something in this verse, something in these two, three, four verses has, has stuck out to you. Maybe it's something you need to think about. Maybe you're in a place that, that, that you're fighting against him, and he wants to lead you and guide you and direct you. Maybe you're in a place, you, you're so far out there, you need to be restored by God. You've strayed. Maybe you're in the valley of the shadow of death, and, and it's freaking you completely out. But God is with you, and God wants to do something. God wants to bring fruit in, in your life through the valley. Maybe you're facing death, and, 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 and someone close to you has died, or maybe some other kind of death even in your own life, and in your own circumstances, your own situation. I don't know what it is, what it might be, but the Lord knows. And He knows you, and He knows your name. He knows everything about you, and he still loves you. That's incredible, right? He still loves me. Let's pray together, shall we? Our gracious Heavenly Father, shepherd of our souls, the eternal God, Yahweh. We bow before you. We humble ourselves before you this morning, Lord. We're just sheep. We get stuck. We get lost. We get messed up. And, and even when we're following you, we sometimes end up in these valleys and we're in trouble. So, Lord, we put our eyes on you. It's what David did. He he put his eyes on the shepherd. And for David, it was so personal, so real, because he knew where to focus. And Lord, we focus on you. We, you told us in your word to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and set now at the right hand of our Father in heaven. Jesus, your word says you are the good shepherd, and, 
And you're only going to lead us in good ways, right ways, paths of righteousness. Lord, I don't know, I don't know where each person is here. I know I got my own issues, I got my own stuff, and, and I thank you that I can look to you and you're going you're gonna to lead me, you're going to help me walk through whatever it is that I am going through. Lord, I want you, I pray you would encourage your people today that you're going to do the same for them. Maybe you need to cry out to him right now and say, Jesus, 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 help me. Restore me. Save me. Rescue me. Help me walk through this valley. Revive me, O oh Lord. Father, I pray as well this morning for any, any that have never had a relationship with you and never, never heard about Jesus Christ, never just doesn't know that you are the God who loves them. I pray for them right now that they would simply open their hearts and lives to you right now, Lord. You would show them. You would prove yourself to them. Maybe that's you today. You can pray. You can ask him in. You can simply pray with me right now and say, Jesus, I'm lost. Please come into my life. Please come into my heart. Forgive me of all my sin. Rescue me today, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and sing together. Uh, you never let go.